our mission trip, and uh, I first of all want to welcome Tara Jameson back from South Africa. So she made it back a few days before we did, and uh, I was so excited. She got to tell us uh, after her journey. She was like, hey, I think you guys are not going to have to wear masks on the plane. And uh, you're right, Tara, we didn't have to. I'm so happy about that. And um, so things are changing there. But Tara, tell us, was your trip good? Did you? Did you? Okay. Well, come on, stand up and give us a word or two. In fact, if you want to come forward to the microphone, that way everybody else can see what you're doing. No embarrassment or shame here. <laughs> Tell us how it went. Good morning. How are you? So I, um, I felt like several weeks ago that I heard from the Lord um, pretty loud um, that I was supposed to go overseas. Um, I know Eric and the guys were going at the same time, and it felt, I felt just really unsure. Um, but in praying with Eric and my husband and some other people, um, I just went in faith that God was going to do some things. And he, um, not only did things in my heart and did a lot of things, uh, as we had a few things going on at home where under normal circumstances, I would have chickened out and not gone somewhere. I just really was able to let go of some things and just say, okay, God, you know, you asked me to do this. So you take care of these things. And he was so faithful every single day, every step, as we were, um, you know, going through a few things that were that were happening back here. Uh, God provided for every detail, um, was able to, um, oh gosh, there's so much, but was able to pray with some young women at um, at Zoe Pregnancy Center. Um, uh, which was really incredible because I was able to lead this young lady into asking questions of the Lord. I didn't have to do anything. So we asked the uh, Lord a few questions. The Lord answered her with tears, wrote it down. She was so obedient to the Lord. It's a long story, but it was so beautiful. Um, one of my best days actually was to get on the farm and to ask all the guys that were on the farm. I think you were visiting your mom that day. Okay. But I had done lunch and I said, so what's God doing? And I asked Chris, saying Chris and um, some of the other guys and their response of like standing there and watching the Lord working at that moment in their heart was incredible. Um, so I was able to um, see people and reconnect with some people and make some connections and pray for people. And it was I think it was more for me. Uh, it really was like well, just a real growth and, and stretch for myself, and it was really incredible. So, wow, Tara. Well, thank you for coming praying. and being there. Oh. And uh, stay right here. Come on, we're just going to thank the Lord for Tara's safe journey. She went on her own and came back on her own, but the Lord was with her the whole way, and she's safely here. Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Tara and her obedience to you, uh, taking the step of faith and going out, not knowing just exactly what you had in mind, but willing to follow you and uh, Lord you have brought her safely back home again with a testimony of your grace and you filled her heart with joy and she was a blessing to us on the field and she's a blessing back here at home Lord we pray that you would pour out your grace on the Jameson family and reward them for this obedience in Jesus name amen thank you amen thank you Tom. I also just want to say hi to um, I was able to hang out with Nick and Audrey quite a bit too yeah. and so that was really a blessing yeah so. yeah absolutely so thank you well, in addition to Tara going, of course, we had our, our, our construction team out there, and I want to invite the guys to come on forward. We've got Pretty Chris over here somewhere. We called him Pretty Chris. We had to find a name for these Chrises because it's Chris and Chris, and everybody was confused. And uh, we had Pretty Chris and we had COVID Chris, but he actually never got COVID. We thought he might have COVID, but he didn't have COVID. So anyway, we had another Chris on the team as well. There were three Chrises and four Mikes. It's a true story, but I wanted to give these lads an opportunity to share, and then I'll come in and tell my version of the story. So who wants to go first? You go first? Okay, Chris Soros goes first. Um, I'm not good at this, so bear with me. Um, I'll start off with the construction team. Like, I didn't build a house. We built a house. Um, the plumbers were probably the hardest working guys on the site. It was uh, interesting to watch because here we don't see that. Um. <laughs> no offense to the plumbers on that. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys kept showing up. <laughs> um, all in all, the people I met over there were amazing. 
Um, Heinz, I couldn't have done it without you. Um, I, I had a blast with the building team. Um, gonna go do it again. And then as far as Africa was concerned, um, just to show of hands, how many of us are gonna eat out of the trash tonight? Like that was the most impactful thing I saw. I went to the dump with Nick and we didn't even have the trash off the truck. And women were ripping into it to feed their families. It, it was, I don't even know how to explain what I saw in Africa, um, but I know how I feel about it. And I feel like I'm gonna make a difference. And I think as a church, we could all make a difference. What they get paid over there is an eye opener to and what we have here and what we take for granted is an eye opener. Um, I know everybody in this church could give money today to Imo Yeni. Every one of us could afford it. They're, go without something for the day. Go without a pack of cigarettes, go without a coffee, go without whatever. Five dollars, a thousand dollars, whatever you have, they need it. Um, what Imo Yeni is doing over there is amazing. And I look forward to being a part of it for hopefully the rest of my life. I don't want to just give them money. I want to watch our money earn money over there and employ more people in the community. The people that are on the farm are some of the hardest working people I've ever worked beside. And they are the happiest people and they have nothing. And it was just amazing. Like, I live in a big, beautiful house, swimming pool, and have multiple cars in my driveway. And none of it, I don't get to take that with me. I want to leave something behind that continues to grow. And Imo, and Imo Yeni needs it. Eric needs it. Eric's vision is amazing over there. And I'm going to be a part of it. And that's really all I have to say. And as far as you, thank you for being my security blanket. Thank you for showing me the world. Like, I'm ready to go on my own and bring others and lead by example. I'm, I'm ready. Use me in any way you need to to further that dream. For his glory, eh, Chris? That's right. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's easier or hard to close, I'm not sure, but uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, it was the trip was something that um, you know really wasn't on my radar for in, in, until a few months ago, you know, and uh, I want to thank everybody for uh, that donated and to, to make it possible for me to go um, to join these guys and. Um, I've I've never really I've been been to Canada, but I've never been you know across the pond. Never seen really a different a world view that was uh, a lot different from what we're so accustomed to, and we kind of take for granted, you know. And uh, to see those people <clears throat> and what they go through um, really made me appreciate everything that that we have here. Um, you know, just. From you know going to the airport and uh, you know I mean we got there at night but um, being able to see the community in the in the daytime um, and then uh, you know coming come to the farm and uh, just seeing how great a job they're doing there and um, you know just going and and, and building this house with. Uh, with the, some of the tools that we brought, and uh, you know, we, us us thinking it was going to be really easy, and we were going to get it done in a couple of days, and uh, I think the Lord humbled us and has a pretty good job of doing that. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, every time we really thought we uh, knew what we were doing, we uh, we had a little bump in the road. So, um, but really, uh, we got. I, I just found out that the, that the roof is finished, and it's and, and it's so the, the whole thing is. Uh, at least it's covered up and the, <laughs> the, the inside is safe. So, but, um, you know, just doing things a lot different, uh, I guess, in, in, in that part of the country and uh, was really just uh, really
really a blessing that we were able to get it done, honestly. And um, the guys worked so hard. The uh, like Chris said, the, the plumbing team was, was uh, such a great bunch of guys that we unfortunately didn't get to spend a ton of time with because we were working so hard. But uh, the times that we did get to spend together and, and pray together were really, really special. And it uh, it makes me realize that how important those those moments are because you know before COVID when we used to have small prayer groups here and that was that was such a great thing and when I was a kid we I used to organize prayer groups with my friends and that's such an important thing I kind of forgot about how just important that is and uh, so it's it's really good to be in a group of like-minded people and then you can share your experiences and, and pray together and, and really expand your faith and, and knowledge of the word um, you know and that uh, beautiful prayer chapel there um, that really made it easy, you know, and it's uh, just such a beautiful place. I I really had no expectations of what to what to think or uh, what was there, and um, I was really blown away. And um, I'm just so thankful that I was able to go and um, to expand friendships and um, get closer with guys that um, that I've known but um, didn't know as, as well as. As I, as I do now, and um, I'm just so glad that uh, Nick and Audrey are staying, and I, I know that was uh, kind of up in the air at the moment we kind of got there, and um, the fact that they're staying and, and staying on mission is, is really incredible. Yeah, it so is. so um, I'm just thankful and uh, really appreciative, for, again, like I said, for everybody that helped me get there, and uh, I won't forget it. So. Oh, come on. <laughs> I just want to, here, you can stand right here. I just want to say, Living Hope Family Church, you guys can be so proud of these men right here. We had a lot of fun. It was hard work. We had hardly any sleep, uh, but we came back so exhilarated. And I'll tell you some of the stories in a minute. I'll give you the long and short of it. And you'll have to bear with that. But right now, I just want to thank God and uh, thank Him for an amazing trip. And would you just extend your hands towards these fellas? Lord, I want to thank you that you, you have uh, done beautiful things in these men. And the work of their hands is to your glory. The last two weeks have been absolutely incredible for us. And Lord, I, I thank you for the privilege of being able to carry that gift over to Africa, the gift of our labor, the gift of our vision, the gift of our friendship. And Lord, I pray that the work of our hands would not soon fall to the ground, but that you would allow it to bear fruit for your kingdom's sake. And I ask that you would bless these men for their courage and bless their families for their, for their generosity in letting these fellas go far away and leave their, leave their wives and children behind for a short period of time. Bless them, Lord. Bless them in their business. Bless them in, in their finances. Bless them, Lord, in their health. Bless them in the peace of their homes. And I ask, Lord God, that they would see such an abundant, an abundant provision that they would truly marvel and say, look at what the Lord has done. And Lord, as we pray together regarding uh, the, the work in Africa and your work all over the world, we say humbly, here we are. Send us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, lads. I love you both. Welcome home. <laughs> let's do it again. And let's take some of these other people with us. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. 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 Go away, Chris. <laughs> yeah, there's some inside jokes you will not hear about. Um, we had so much fun. Tam, before I get started with uh, my story, why don't you just come and pray for me real quick? Because I'm kind of tired. Would you guys help her to pray for me? Can you do that? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that the earth is yours. Yes, Lord. <laughs> and the fullness of it. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for the work that you are doing here in our midst, Lord. And I pray for Eric today as, as he um, attempts to bring, <laughs> to bring your word and, and bring encouragement to the body, Lord. I pray for your strength to be his portion. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thanks, love. So uh, 
So last, well, two Sundays ago, we hightailed it out of here right after the Easter Sunday service. And we, uh, we went and got on the plane, and an uh, amazing miracle took place. We actually we arrived in Boston. We went through security. We got on our plane, and on the flight to Atlanta, we received notification that the terminal in Boston, Terminal A, Delta's terminal, had been evacuated because of a suspicious suitcase. 20 minutes, 30 minutes after our plane departed. We would have missed our flights and not gotten to Africa, and our time was very short. We, God just had us squeeze through literally 20 minutes before they shut down the airport. Isn't that a miracle? It's a miracle. So on the flight to Atlanta, the three of us are sitting uh, in the same row, and it was kind of, you know, it was awesome. I mean, I'm, we had Chris by the window and me in the middle and Chris on the side. You can figure out which Chris was sitting where. <laughs> and I was taking up both armrests easily, so these guys were kind of, you know, it was fun. Short flight, two and a half hours, and, uh, and I looked over at, uh, at Chris, <laughs> and I was so blessed to see Chris. I got one Chris on this side, and he's taking a little nap. And I got this Chris on this side, and he's got his Bible open, and he's just reading. And, you know, I just sat there thinking, man, I am a blessed man. These boys could be doing anything right now. But one is resting, and one is refreshing himself in the Word. And I said, this is going to be a good trip. I can already tell. So we got to Atlanta, and uh, as I... As we got into the airport, I was notified on my Facebook post because I had put a picture of the three of us onto Facebook immediately up in Boston before we left. Arrived in Atlanta, turned on Facebook again, and there was a notification from the guy who was the best man at my wedding. Turns out, I haven't seen him for, I don't know, probably 20 years or more. And uh, 30 years ago, uh, Tammy and I arrived in the United States on May 8th, so next weekend would be our 30th anniversary in the United States. Isn't that cool? That's pretty cool. But uh, we flew over to the United States on a plane with this guy 30 years ago. And uh, on mission. We came to the United States on mission. He is now the head of a massive mission organization, global mission organization, that have bases all over the world, really amazing places. It's just opening up a base in Egypt right now and uh, the Lord's doing beautiful things through him. But I haven't seen him for years and years. Turns out he's on the same flight to Africa. But he's late. He's delayed because his plane in Orlando was delayed due to storms. And so he had sent me a text saying, hey man, can you hold the plane at the gate until we get there? <laughs> so I did. I went up to the counter just as they were calling his name. Smethurst, party of three. He's actually the cousin of Dave Smethurst, who you guys know. He's a lot younger than Dave, so the cousin story kind of, I feel like Dave should be his uncle, not his cousin, but anyway. But, uh, but anyway, Smethurst, party of three, I hear coming over, please report to the desk. So, of course, he's not there. His plane hasn't even arrived from Orlando yet. So I go up to the desk and I say, uh, Smethurst, party of three, I'm not one of them. But they're on the way, and the plane was delayed coming out of Orlando, and they have to hit. They have to get this flight. It's super important. And uh, could you please hold the flight for them? And so they said, well, we can't really hold the flight for three people. I said, well, we've got five of us here right now because our two Texan brothers joined us in Atlanta. So we've got five of us, and we're not going to get onto the plane without the Smithists. So now you've got eight people not getting on the plane. They said, well, let's see how it all works out. <laughs> well, anyway... Long story short, the plane was delayed in Atlanta for other reasons, but the Smethers arrived safely and got on the flight with us and was sitting literally two rows behind me. So we got to spend 17 or 16 hours on the plane together, and, uh, and, and Philip and I caught up and talked about a great number of things, and, and uh, he shared with me some of his amazing mission, uh, vision, stuff he's doing all over Central Africa, and I was astonished at the hand of God in putting us together again after all these years. It was a beautiful thing. I mean, how, how random is that, that the best man from my wedding should be on the same flight as me? What a beautiful thing. So we just knew this is going to be a good trip. Anyway, we arrived in Johannesburg the next day, and uh, when we arrived, the boys can, can testify to this, 
we get out of the plane and it's just just there was just a thunder shower as we flew into Johannesburg. It was one of those high felt thunder showers, Tammy. And it just crack a boom. It was coming pouring down in buckets as the plane is taxiing. But as we arrive at the at the um, at the terminal, uh, the rain clears. And we get off the plane and we're walking through the we're walking through the um, the concourse and these big windows looking out over the airplanes. And sure enough, there's this massive rainbow. It's got to be the brightest rainbow I've ever seen in my life. And we can see both ends of it. I mean, I was looking for pots of gold. I really was. Huge rainbow. And it was a double, a double rainbow. And they were so bright. You could see them. I mean, people were astonished. They were standing there. They refused to move. Everybody was taking pictures of this rainbow. So we stood there and we said, okay, this is beautiful. This is just a sign of peace from God, the covenant of the Lord. And we took it. We'll take that sign. Thank you very much. So uh, we headed off. Daryl picked us up at the airport, and uh, uh, Daryl and Tendai, uh, and we split up into two vehicles, and they drove us back to the farm. We arrived back at the farm, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night. It was pretty late, maybe even later. Uh, but we weren't tired yet. We were excited. We got ourselves all situated, and of course it was pitch black, so the boys couldn't see anything. And I knew, see, I knew as soon as that sun rose in the morning, they were going to be blown out of their minds. This was going to be just a beautiful thing. So I made sure that they knew that my one job, I had one job, my one job was to make coffee at 5.30 every morning. <laughs> he refused to drink it. Chris was like, this is not Dunkin' Donuts. It doesn't have five creams and six sugars in it. <laughs> so I don't think that's actually coffee, bro. <laughs> so it became my job to make coffee every morning, and I caught the sunrise every single day. That's, that's my claim to fame this time around. Every day, I caught the most amazing sunrises. And uh, I'm so grateful because uh, the Lord really blessed our labors. Uh, the guys got up. They saw how beautiful the farm was. Uh, they got out to the job site, and um, immediately there was a problem. And uh, we took a look at that platform. Hey, Chris. And Chris was, uh, Chris was thrilled. He was so thrilled, he took, his, he took his tape measure and he flung it across the platform. He's like, I can't do anything with this. <laughs> I don't know if it was the tape measure that broke or if it was the platform that was wrong, but Chris was like, mm-mm, this ain't going to work. Platform wasn't quite square. And uh, that's a problem when you're building a house. You want to start with something square at the beginning. So... So we started talking. We had a couple of hours worth of discussion about whether or not we should rip the whole thing to pieces and start all over again. And eventually we decided to go with what we had. Now, oh, by the way, I, I, I need to just back up a little bit and say I want to thank Ron Welch because Ron put together the architectural design and plans for the house and had it all for us beautifully printed before we left with all the measurements in metric and imperial. So in other words, meters and inches and feet and so forth. And it was absolutely wonderful. Ron, I just want to say thank you for an amazing, amazing job. Ron was fully a member of our team, just didn't get to actually take the trip this time, but next time. And uh, so, Ron, I want you to know, we're looking at your plans, and Chris is looking at the platform. He's looking at these plans. He says, I can't build a house with these plans on this platform. And I thought, well, I'm kind of glad Ron's not here right now. <laughs> I said, well, what are we going to do? So they hemmed and hawed and eventually decided to improvise a little bit. And uh, we figured it out. I don't actually know what you guys did, Chris, but it turned out to be okay, I think. I hope. <laughs> I don't have to live in that house, so I guess it's okay, right? Uh, anyways. Anyways. So a couple of days later, we had, the, uh, we had the building up all the way to the second floor. And uh, literally in two days, these guys had it going, and it was amazing. Of course, Chris was looking at that lumber. <coughs> Chris, in case you didn't pick it up by now, Chris is the foreman on the job. So, uh, <coughs> and I was his best worker. <laughs> uh, I actually have a picture of me on the peak of the, of the roof holding a nail gun. I mean, to prove that I actually did that. It was, and if you believe that, we can sell you some property on the moon. Anyways, Chris is looking at the lumber. He's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this lumber. And uh, when Heinz told him that, that he had already sent back two versions of that lumber, and this was the third version, the best version, Chris was like, well, I guess this ain't America anymore. So, um, Anyways, there were lots of things that we, we found were not quite what we expected. 
uh, from windows and and uh, and uh, and lumber to um, power tools that didn't work and uh, or burned out pretty quickly and and uh, blades that were that were wobbly and and uh, ladders that weren't there and scaffolding that was kind of scary and <laughs> but the workers on the job were absolutely incredible incredible the farm guys uh, and then Heinz and his uh, and his crew and uh, and the electrician and his crew and then the plumbers arrived from uh, from our Tammy's hometown East London these guys came up from Sterling Baptist Church SBC Kara's Church that's right and uh, they came we had never met any of them before but within three days we felt like we'd known them all our lives these guys were absolutely amazing, and while we were building these uh, walls and so forth, they would, they were putting in the pipes and laying all the plumbing stuff. And I think we only drilled through their pipes once, <laughs> twice, <laughs> one pipe, like a hundred hundred holes in one pipe. All the screws went in the pipe, every one of them. <laughs> uh, but um, the. Uh, uh, of course, the challenge was getting material from far away and getting into the job site on time. And wouldn't you believe that our last day on the job was a public holiday? <laughs> Freedom Day! Yay! Yeah. So we couldn't do anything to get the materials that we needed on our last day. And then, wouldn't you know that on our last day, Chris came down with what we thought was COVID because he got nailed, man. He suddenly had a fever. He was freezing cold, then he was blazing hot, and then he was all over the place. And we thought, oh, no, what's happened to Chris? So we went down to get our COVID tests, and we thought, should we even get him tested? We did. We ran a rapid test on him. Turned out to be negative. Then we ran the regular PCR test on him. Also turned out to be negative later. They dosed him up with so many medications. I mean, it came, he came out of the clinic with a bag like this. <laughs> he was feeling so rough, he went straight to bed. And uh, we wanted him to take his meds, but he just wouldn't hear of it. So he went to bed. And then three or four hours later, we dosed him up. And within 20 minutes, he was having dinner with us. And uh, from then on, it just, it was amazing. It was miraculous. He just got better. And um, uh, the next morning when uh, we were preparing to go home, Chris was feeling great. The flight home, he was feeling great. You're still feeling great, right? Probably still taking us meds, though, I hope. And uh, no COVID there. So no COVID, Chris. And, uh, and we just thank God for that. Along the way, of course, uh, I had a lot of meetings. We, we met with, uh, with Tendai and Vimbai Manyawu, and we talked about the, the uh, Zoe Pregnancy Center and, um, and our uh, goals and ambitions to help them to make that center fully operational. And uh, within the next three years, just really uh, churning out um, the kind of... Uh, the kind of fruit that uh, that they envision, and I am so blessed by their vision. We can talk about it more if you have any questions about that. We can we can talk about it. But I think uh, the Emoyeni mission is really going to be strongly backing that Zoe Pregnancy Center for the next three years at least, and um, it was just tremendously exciting to see that. At the same time, uh, we went there with the full expectation that we were going to be bringing Nick and Audrey and their family back home. Uh, to Living Hope, and then they were going to move off to uh, new stomping grounds for themselves. But for those of you who don't follow them on Facebook, I want to read uh, Audrey's message. And um, this was posted last night, and uh, I asked permission from them to read it in church this morning, and they said, please, uh, we'd be very honored if you would read this. And uh, these, of course, for those of you who don't know, Nick and Audrey, uh, and uh, Adeline, Jordan, and Brooke are living hopers. They're part of our fellowship here. Hello. <laughs> and um, I was like, my phone doesn't make that noise. That's weird. Um, Nick and Audrey are part of this fellowship, and uh, they represent the Lord in Africa, in South Africa, but they also represent Living Hope Family Church. And you guys have been very faithful in supporting them in prayer and in, with love and, and, and even with your financial gifts. And uh, uh, many of you were um, prepared to welcome them home next weekend on Mother's Day and to have a big celebration and eat hot dogs and so forth. Um, uh, and their parents, of course, uh, were expecting to see them as well. But, uh, you know, I've got to say that in our hearts, I think all of us would probably agree uh, in small ways and maybe big ways. We were grieving the fact that they were returning home uh, because I think all of us were uh, just felt like 
like they were called to more. Of course, it's their decision, and we want to support them in that. But uh, while we were there, um, Mike Nowak, one of the board members, and I got to sit with Nick and Audrey and talk with them. And they, uh, they asked us, you know, guys, um, how would the board feel about extending our season, allowing us to stay longer? And so we, we, we talked it through. We spent about a week uh, talking it through, praying over it. And uh, the, the Lord just gave confirmation that this was the right thing. And uh, a couple of days before we left, we all agreed together. Uh, them, uh, Nick and Audrey having spoken to their parents and family members and so forth and, and everybody in agreement. And uh, we, we, we uh, determined that it would be appropriate and wonderful and a blessing not only to the ministry but to the kingdom of God for them to remain in the field. And I'm so proud of them for the choice that they've made. And uh, I'm going to read you Audrey's uh, letter because I think it's really profound. Uh, she says, Dear family and friends, we have some exciting news. We want to be honest with you and we hope you can understand our hearts and be gracious with us. We have decided to stay in South Africa. Last minute change, right? How do we begin to explain this? Let us start by saying that although it has been an incredible experience, this has been a very emotional and trying year. Other missionaries we have spoken to have explained that it is almost always incredibly difficult in the first year. And we've been advised on several occasions over the past year that the best route is typically to stick it out for two years to get a better idea of whether or not our family will be able to continue on in this mission field. That sounds fine and well, but in the throes of the first year difficulties, it can be hard to see that second year as possible. I, Audrey, have been scared and doubtful of my ability to handle life in South Africa. I spent most of this past year thinking and saying, I can't. I can't make friends. I can't find friends for the kids. I can't handle the isolation. I can't get used to the culture. I can't find the doctors we need. I can't live in community on the farm. I can't rely on donations for our income. I can't do the things I thought I would do here. Nick has been okay, but it has been an adjustment for him as well. And he's been trying to support me and the kids. So out of fear and doubt and desperation, we came up with reasons why we need to leave South Africa. At first, we agreed on our decision, and it just felt wonderful to be on the same page as a couple. Very soon after, however, two things started happening. Nick started saying he really didn't feel done here and asked if we really couldn't make it work. I felt completely unsure of our decision, but was so scared to admit it. The more people asked about our move, the more my answer of it's what we need to do for our family felt fake. But admitting that would mean facing my fears, and it would mean swallowing my pride and telling everyone we had made the wrong decision. So I fought it. God is so incredibly gracious. He kept working on my heart, and finally, I couldn't deny it anymore. South Africa is exactly where we are meant to be. We have so much work left to do here. So despite having made our own plans and set them in motion, we have decided to follow God and continue the job he has laid out for us to do here. We have plane tickets we will need to use, so we are working on planning a visit to Massachusetts before the end of 2023. So we, can, uh, so we look forward to seeing many of you at that point. In the meantime, please don't hesitate to say hi, ask us questions, and please follow along on our Facebook page as well as the MOENI Ministries Facebook page to see some of the things God is doing here. It always touches our heart to hear from you all, and though we are miles away, it reminds us that we are part of a global team, community, and family. Thank you for your love, prayers, grace, and support. Nick and Audrey Prisco. I want to invite you as a fellowship to stand behind these guys. You know what I realized when we were out there is that we can do a much better job as a fellowship of supporting them in the work that they do. I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about the stuff that really, they really need to keep going. It's that occasional text message or the WhatsApp call or maybe a gift sent through takealot.com, which actually can deliver to the farm. Like, yeah, like Amazon. It's the South African version, takealot. Yeah, go figure. 
these little things, little reminders that they aren't gone and forgotten, but that they actually represent us as a household of faith, these go a very long way. I, I just want you to consider that this is a young couple that are not yet 30 years of age with three little, little girls under the age of six. That's a profound sacrifice. Would you join with me in supporting them in prayer and taking them on as a, as a part of our global mission? Maybe you can't get up and go to Africa. Not right now. Maybe you can go on a short-term team like Chris did and build a house or like Chris did and build a house. <laughs> maybe you can do one of those, but maybe you're here and this is where you're going to be and travel is not your thing. But you still have a part of that and you still bear, as it bears fruit, you still, you have ownership in that fruit. You lay claim to some of it through your prayer and your support. Let's keep them in our hearts and minds. And for those of you who have been giving over the year to them, uh, they're obviously going to need to raise their support base again. And I uh, invite you and encourage you uh, to prayerfully consider how you want to support the Prisco family in that endeavor. That is my mission report for the time being. Oh, wait, one final thing. On the way home, we all crammed into this bus. Uh, it was like sardines. There were just so many people in that bus. I, I've never been in a bus with so many people in such a small amount of space. And uh, all of our suitcases blocking the entranceway for the bus. I mean, it was just absolutely, I was jammed like this, and I'm sitting with these three other guys. There's four of us in the back row, back of the bus, right? And I'm squished up against the side. And, you know, it's a good thing I'm such a small guy because th that's the only way we could fit. And um, anyway, we're driving down the, hurtling down the highway towards Johannesburg, and I'm thinking, this is a great way to end the trip. I'm loving this. Well, we got to the airport, and um, we got there on time, so that was terrific. Uh, Mike and Gavin uh, tested positive for COVID, and uh, that was great. And um, so we had, to get them a, 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 we had to get them another test. The PCR test came back positive, and, and then we got them another test, and that came back negative, and then we got a doctor's note to let them get on the plane. So they got home, praise God. And here I am thinking... What am I going to do? I'm going to leave boys behind. None of my team members get left behind. So we arrive at the airport and we discover that our flight, which had already been delayed, was delayed again. And uh, not only was it delayed, but it meant we were going to miss our connecting flight in Amsterdam. And so I, we get up to the ticket counter and Chris Soar says, Eric, I know you. I know how this works. Get us an upgrade. <laughs> so I said, all right, Chris. Tell you what, I'll work on the upgrade and you keep your mouth shut. <laughs> High five, buddy. So he launched the idea in my head and I went up to the counter and we, and we, just, we made friends with the people at the counter. And of course, uh, you know, I said, hey, we, we, we're three of us trying to get back to the States and I'm not sure why you guys are delayed, but uh, can you get us back same day? We really need to do that. And by the way, if you have to put us in business class, we don't mind. <laughs> So the guy says, well, what do you give me if I get you in business class? I said, well, I'll give you a big old kiss right here. He says, that's, that's not very appealing. So I said, I tell you what, I promise to not give you a kiss. How about that? He says, let me work on it. Fifteen minutes later, he says, go on over back to that counter. You guys are upgraded to business class. So we got a business class right home. Come on. Come on. Business class is nice, people. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I think from now on, you need to send your representatives overseas in business class. Uh, yeah, we could probably fund the mission for 10 years with the amount of cost for those tickets. But what a gift from the Lord. Isn't that special? We had the rainbows at the beginning, and we had the first class upgrade on well, business class upgrade on the way home. It was like the Lord's blessing from beginning to end, both sides of the rainbow touching down, and it was gold everywhere and I just feel like the Lord's grace was on our trip so I'm so thankful thank you for allowing us to go and to be there in the name of the Lord and with your blessing and uh, I have eight minutes left to offer you a brief devotion about pilgrimage from Psalm 84 would you guys turn there real quick 
eight minutes, according to Greg's clock. I'm not sure if that's correct, but Psalm 84. I want you to read this with me. This is one of my favorite psalms. And this psalm was on Audrey's, on Audrey's post this morning. She has a beautiful picture that she painted that I love. And, uh, and pasted over the top of it, Psalm 84 and verse 5. I'm going to read you the whole psalm. This is what it says. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. Do you guys remember the first night we, we were in Africa and, and we stood around and gave thanks to the Lord? And I asked, I said, guys, we're just going to read a scripture together. I want to just encourage you in the Lord. And I read Psalm 84, verse 1, when we looked up at the stars. You guys remember that? Beginning and end. Here it is. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. One of the things... My friend, Mr. Soares over here told me when we were in Africa is that he realized sitting with all these Jesus loving men, simple men, broken men, flawed men, but faithful men. And he said, you know, I want to hang around with people like this. I want to hang around with people like this because I realize how futile every other relationship really is. There's no place like the courts of the Lord, Chris. There's no place like the courts of the Lord. The house of God. No place like it. Even the sparrow finds a home and a swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts. You can just picture it, right? You can picture this son of Korah who's writing this psalm. And he's just envisioning in the house of the Lord how even in this beautiful temple, somehow the swallow manages to get in and builds a nest right above the ark of the Lord kind of thing, you know, where nobody else is allowed to go, but the swallow, the sparrow, the simple bird gets to be in the presence of the Lord. And, and this thought, this idea that we could be as important to God, maybe even more important than the sparrow. Well, Jesus actually picked up on that, didn't he? And he said, God loves us surely more than these. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed. I count myself a blessed man today. And every one of you, men and women alike, consider yourself blessed that we have this. Consider yourself blessed. Share this with others. Don't keep it to yourself. Bring others into the joy of the presence of God together with the saints of the Lord. We're not perfect. In fact, we might irritate each other if we hang out too much. But God is in the midst of us. And he knows how to make us family. Blessed is the one. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Now here's the verse, verse 5. And different translations say it differently. I like the NIV probably the best. Here's the ESV. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. The original Hebrew says, blessed are those whose strength is, whose strength is in you, in whose heart whose hearts are set on the way. That's what the original Hebrew says, whose hearts are set on the way. I think the NIV puts it most beautifully. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart are set on pilgrimage. The next big adventure in my life is Tammy and I are going on pilgrimage. We leave on May 17th and we'll be gone for two months. And you guys are going to have church without us. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, O Lord. I pray that you guys will find that blessedness. Our hearts are going to be set on pilgrimage. We're not going to Jerusalem. We're going to Santiago de Compostela. It's got lots of history. It's not really meaningful, the place itself for us, but the idea of pilgrimage is very meaningful. We'll get to actually walk it out very practically. But the truth is, all of us are on pilgrimage. We need to make this choice. The choice is, what are we living for? Are we living to buy toys? We had a wonderful experience last day in Africa. I took the boys and we went uh, four-wheeling, quad biking in the mountains. It was incredible. I'm glad that everybody was healthy and well enough to do it. We had the most amazing time. And then we went and we sat in the hydro spa for a couple of hours just soaking in the 
in the, the naturally heated mineral waters and then in the ice cold bath and then back in the hot water and then back in the cold water. And back, the time we came out, we were kind of like jellyfish. We were just, it was amazing. And then we got an up, upgrade to first class. I mean, what a way to end a mission trip. I don't, Jesus, can we do that again? <laughs> do we live for those toys? Do we live to buy those things? Is that what we're living for? Are we living to build bigger houses, to buy newer cars? Because I want to tell you that that's not pilgrimage. That's not pilgrimage at all. That's living to make this home our utopia, our Eden, our heaven. But Eden cannot be built on earth, my friends. Sin dwells here. Death lives here and takes here. Let our hearts be set on pilgrimage. Let us set our sights on the heavenly Jerusalem. Let's march in lockstep into the presence of the Almighty. Let us be satisfied with nothing shy or short of that glorious day when we see him face to face and we hear his voice with our own ears. Blessed are those whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Verse 6, as they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. Well, that may not mean anything to you, but the word in Hebrew is balsam. It's possibly uh, the, the valley of Rephaim right by Jerusalem, not far from Jerusalem where David uh, won a couple of victories. But in all honesty, it really means the valley of, of, of weeping. Rephaim means willows, a valley of willows, but the willows are weeping willows. And uh, they have sap that weeps out of them, and they, and they, they look like tears with, uh, trees with tears. And so it becomes known as this valley of weeping. Do we not know that in this world we will have trouble? You remember some of you who've been here a long time, Rose Clark used to sit right there where Danny is. You used to work for Rose Clark, didn't you, Danny? And Rose used to sit in that chair right there, and she would say to me every single Sunday, Eric, do you not know that in this world we will have trouble? But be of good cheer, Jesus said, for I have overcome the world. Those who go through the valley of weeping, it says here, they make it a place of springs. You know, it is a beautiful thing to be blessed, isn't it? How much more blessing is it? How much more of a blessing is it to be a blessing? To receive is one thing. To give is far greater. Those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage are able to dig deep wells in the valley of tears. The well is not just for you. The well is for everyone who will come through that valley after you. Who will drink from that deep well, cold, fresh water that will sustain them on their journey. My brothers and sisters, this is the call of the Lord upon our lives. Let our hearts be set on pilgrimage. They make it a place of springs. The early rain covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength, and each one of them appears before God in Zion. It is a challenge to live from day to day, from strength to strength. Most of us fear the future so much that we cannot live in the beauty of the day. Tammy and I will get to experience this in Spain on our pilgrimage and we'll come back and tell you. And I have no doubt that I will tell you that it was a pleasure not to have to think about the future. But just to pick up in the morning, put my pack on and walk for this day. I encourage you all. Let the fears of tomorrow be gone from your hearts and your minds, for God cares about you more than he does for the sparrow. And surely he will feed you. And he cares more about you than the lilies of the field. Surely he will clothe you. He cares about your rest. He will upgrade you at the right time. He cares about the people around you. And if it's necessary for him to put you in economy class or first class, he will put you where you need to be if you will be an ambassador for him on this pilgrimage to Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold, our shield, our God. Look on the face of your anointed. I want to tell you, in your pilgrimage, let your face be set on the anointed one. Who is the anointed one? Jesus. 
For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. It's not enough time to tell you the, 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 the history behind that statement. That's a powerful statement from a son of Korah. Korah was one in the great rebellion, you may remember. Korah, the ground opened up under his feet and swallowed him. But not all of his sons died. As it turns out, his sons separated themselves out, some of them, from the house of Korah. When Korah was destroyed in the rebellion in the days of Moses, you can read about that, of course, in Numbers chapter 16, for those of you who want to do the homework. Numbers 16. But the sons of Korah were redeemed by the Lord, and they were given the job, the job of being doorkeepers in the house of God. You can read about that in 1 Chronicles 9, verse 19. The reason for Korah's rebellion was that he wanted to be a man of greater esteem, a great, greater privilege. He wanted to be the high priest and take it away from Aaron. The sons of Korah say, I'd rather dwell, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord and keep the job that he's given me than try and take away a job he didn't give me from somebody else. I'm not going to reach for greatness that God didn't give me. I'm not going to try and accumulate things in my life that God doesn't give. I don't want it if God doesn't give it. That's what he's saying. The tents of the wicked, well, that's what Moses said. Step away from the tents of the wicked before the ground opened up and swallowed Korah. Well, anyway, the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. And watch this. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Can you trust that? Can you trust that statement? As for me and my house, we will trust this. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And my friends, is today's devotion. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for this amazing, beautiful Sunday. I pray that we would use it, every moment of it, to bring glory and honor to your name. And may our week be empowered by the encounter with you here. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful church and for the others, the other churches around the Cape that call upon your name in all honesty and truth. Authentic Christian fellowships. Lord, we consider them our brothers and sisters. May I ask for your grace and your blessing on them as well. This week, as we celebrate the National Day of Prayer, I pray that you, O Lord, will be exalted in our nation and that when, as we are obedient to you to pray for those in authority over us, that you would hear our prayer and answer us that peace be poured out in our nation and even in our world. But more importantly, may we be peace carriers, peacemakers, those who carry the very fragrance of the Prince of Peace in every relationship. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.